listening to the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. Brett Barron's along with Andy Olson in our podcast studio here in downtown Champaign. Marley Weirda is off today because on Wednesday we had a huge announcement that Big Ten football is back. And she came in for that day, worked it, so she's got a well-deserved Friday off after an exciting week to get Big Ten football back, Andy. Yeah, I'm becoming the newest mainstay of the podcast. You've been off for a little bit, now Marley's <laughs> off. But what a week. I mean, we talked, Marley and I talked last week about the possibility and like the early reports of the Big Ten coming back. And it just got more and more momentum as the week went on until finally Wednesday's announcement, which I don't think I, I don't know if I was, it was even in the realm of my possibility. You know what I mean? I didn't think that this was going to happen. And I don't think a lot of people did, mainly because Kevin Warren said in August that it wouldn't be revisited. So I had really no reason to think that this was going to happen any earlier than, say, I don't know, late November, December. Trending towards the beginning of 2021 was my original thought of when this might possibly come back. And so that's why I found it interesting that Kevin Warren says, we've done nothing since the postponement on August 11th but work on this and getting it back. Okay, well, then why did you say it wouldn't be revisited? I mean, these are a lot of the questions I have, and we can get into some of these about how it was handled throughout the Big Ten, but I was not expecting this. And then you hear some rumblings about a possible revote last weekend. You know that the presidents and chancellors were meeting along with all of these subcommittees. Josh Whitman's on one of those subcommittees. He's on the television one. Illinois' Uh, medicine director, quote-unquote, their main doctor in all of this that they've been using, Randy Ballard. He's on a medical subcommittee for Illinois. And so there's pieces of Illinois and the DIA that are representing, as well as Chancellor Jones. And he's the one that has the vote for Illinois in the COP, the Council of Presidents and Chancellors. And so Jones votes yes in this time. It comes out, I think it was supposed to be released on Tuesday. The vote. And remember the <laughs> Nebraska president, president coming out early yeah. leaked it earlier in the day on Tuesday. I think the Big Ten tried to save some face there and just said, hey, we're, we're going to wait till Wednesday. It was obviously ready Tuesday. And I didn't get any clarification on this when the actual vote was or even if there was a vote. I'm not sure that's ever come out that there was essentially a vote again because that was in question the first time. And then it finally it, admitted it. Yeah, They did say there was a vote. I don't know if a vote happened the second time. I can't sit here today and tell you that. I did not ask Josh Whitman that or Chancellor Jones that over the Zoom call on Wednesday. But they agreed unanimously. Now, do you really think it was a unanimous agreement that it was, or was the Big Ten trying to just save some face this time, knowing that there was disparity and disputes the first time around and that it was not a good look? Andy, I can't sit here and tell you today that I think that it was 100% all 14 schools in the Big Ten wanted to play football. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, it's really hard, and I think it goes back to when they made the first announcement. I mean, they were the first Power Five conference to come out that – to cancel the season in the beginning. And in my opinion, I think that they were expecting everyone else to follow suit. I 100% agree. The Pac-12 followed suit, but then no one else did. So I think watching the first two, I guess you can say three weeks since we had like a week zero game, but the first three weeks of college football while they're sitting on the sideline, I think was the pressure that they may have needed to this can happen now and that it's able to be done safely whether or not all 14 teams were in on that you know i don't know maybe that was enough uh you know watching the other teams start playing to change their mind because i know the vote uh the initial one was 11 to 3 
Um, so 11 presidents had to change their minds about cha or about playing college football. I don't know if all of them did, but I think that, that uh, the immense pressure of seeing all the other leagues playing and doing so, I would say successfully. There's been minimal cancellations of games and things like that, but I think that was probably the most pressure put on them to change their mind. I completely agree with you. I think the medical advancements certainly helped. And you mentioned the postponements. Tomorrow's Baylor-Houston game has been postponed because of COVID-19. We're going to see a lot more of that, I think. That is going to continue. There's going to be postponements in the Big Ten. If the season started today, Wisconsin couldn't play because it's a mess up there in Madison yeah, right now. You talk about the there's going to be postponements. One of the things that the Big Ten lost in all of this and not starting when they initially said they would is the flexibility, and I believe that uh, Josh Whitman and uh, had hit on this, that they don't have those off weeks now to move any canceled games. I mean, they have nine straight weeks in nine straight ga or nine straight games for each team in the Big Ten. So you have to kind of wonder if there's going to be postponements, what's going to happen with those? Are, yeah, are teams going to play different amount of games? I don't know. I think so. I don't think it's going to be postponed. They can't. They're running out of time in this sense. And so I think it'll just be a no game. It'll be like it never even happened or it wasn't even scheduled in that sense. And that's the same thing baseball's adopting. Now you're going to have to figure out, is it winning percentage, whatever that may be, who your conference champion is, representative for each side, and then how you're going to implement that and play it out in terms of the seating. I don't know what an over-under might be in terms of how many games <laughs> will not be played. I think it's going to be significant, though. I think there's going to be plenty of games here. The other thing that I, I will say that should help is this testing every day, that every team in the conference is going to have to test every day and this is part of the specifics about the big protocols that came out that were updated and I think this played a huge part to it wasn't just the pressure it wasn't just the money I think those two things are significant and important it wasn't just those things I think the testing had to be there and this daily antigen testing that they're going to be doing along with enhanced cardiac screening and a data-driven approach. I think those three words, the data-driven approach, are the key parts there that weren't spelled out the first time. Because if you look at these ratios that you have to stay under, they're green, so to speak, 0 to 2% team positivity rate, you're good to go. Orange, 2 to 5%. And above 5, you're paused for a week. And that's just from a team perspective. If you test positive as a student athlete or a coach, now you have three weeks sidelined. 21 days is the long time when you only have nine weeks. If you're missing a third of the season, that's significant. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that's like the only conference I've heard of doing something like that is the mandatory three weeks. Correct. Right? Yeah, yes. That is very unique to the Big Ten. But this is why they're playing, because they've come up with all of this. And I think that is significant, the population positivity rate, which I was told in my understanding is not the population of the city you're in. So this has nothing to do with Champaign-Urbana, so to speak. It's all of the people that are in and around the building and a part of the team. That is your population positivity rate. So that would include players. That would include coaches. That would include support staff members. Anyone else that is, quote-unquote, there on the field on game day represents that population positivity rate. And that is above 7.5%. You cannot play for a week as a team. These things are all spelled out, and I think this is the reason why we got to where we got to, that the presidents and chancellors of these universities now had some concrete things to look at and say, okay, this is the numbers that we need and this data-driven approach that can really implement a season, that you can go out and do it because you are basing it off of these numbers. It's based off science. It's not 
conjecture in terms of like, okay, well, you're good to go, but you're not, and we think we might be able to play, but the other team doesn't. The contact tracing becomes less important now because you're testing every day. So because you have this rapid test that Illinois has been doing all along in a sense, mm-hmm. I mean, they were the first Big Ten team to test every day and develop this spit test and get to a point where I thought all along, I'd heard some reports from different people and seen some things where Illinois wasn't mentioned as not going to be able to play. I didn't buy into that at all because Illinois had been testing all along every day. I thought if any team was going to be eligible to play, it should be Illinois because of all of these things that they developed and come out with, and they were at the forefront. Still, Chancellor Jones didn't vote yes the first time. Now I think he's at a point where he feels good because of all of this this data and that these things are based off of science. The myocarditis issue is going to be better controlled and uh, maybe better managed and how they feel good about moving forward with that because of this cardiac screening that they're doing ahead of time. So if you test positive for COVID-19, you're going to have to go more extensive cardiac testing to make sure you don't have myocarditis is how I understand it. And so all of these things that have come out and really been developed through the last five weeks, right since they were postponed from what Kevin Warren said on Big Ten Network until last weekend when these subcommittees and these people were meeting the leaders of the conference in a sense to try and figure out how they could pull this thing off. And I could not agree with you more watching the ACC and big 12 play games, I think was a huge push towards, we got to figure out a way to get this thing done. Yeah. And you even felt that, you know, as a fan and Marley and I talked about this last week, we were discussing, Oh, the college football season, uh, you know, has gotten started, but it felt like it was missing something. And if we as you know, spectators and uh, digesters of college football felt that way, imagine how much that was amplified at that top level of the people who care the most about the Big Ten and its brand and its image, knowing that there was a season going on and they weren't a part of it. And you know, I've even heard people talk about how not playing at this time, you know, could be damaging to the, you know, Big Ten for years to come. You know, if it's not this year, you know, it hurts recruiting or it hurts, um, you know, income from not playing this year. So a lot of different factors definitely played a role in this. But at the end of the day, it's coming back. And I think we're all excited about it. I, like I said, this was not even in the realm of my, like, a possibility in my mind two weeks ago. Like right. probably because so. there wasn't much momentum, exactly. you know, being pushed by the national media, especially because they're the ones that have the insights. I mean, they're the ones that talk to you know these coaches at a at a bigger scale. These coaches listen to these national media pundits and and reporters more because they have a broader scale and a broader influence than someone like you or I. But it's certainly something that has developed. I think a lot more. Uh, seriously in the last seven to ten days and I couldn't be happier I mean for Mm -hmm. us personally it's exciting (laughs) because like we have content right Mm -hmm. as content creators we need to have games and practices and meaning behind those things to cover them it's great that they're still practicing or whatnot but nobody cares about the Brandon Peters story and how he's going to do this year if that's six months away from right now it becomes a lot more relevant it becomes a lot more now and people want to read that and watch those things when the season has a time line now we know 
that it's going to start on October 23rd or 24th. Now we know that in five short weeks we're going to have football and that Illinois is going to take the field next week with a quote-unquote training camp again and be able to put on shoulder pads and all of these things and start getting ready for football. And just talking with the players this week, you could really get a sense of how excited they were to get to this point now. Yesterday I felt like a little kid at Christmas. Um, it was amazing to hear the news. Uh, we've been waiting for some solid news and a solid date. I was fired up and I know, you know, everyone else on the team was fired up and, you know, now there's a different sense of urgency and, you know, the players are, you know, everyone just takes it to that next level. And, you know, we all understand that, you know, we're on a tight, tight time crunch now and it's, you know, it's time to get ready to go and, and play football. All right, interesting to hear from those guys and just their perspective. I feel for them all along because of these unknowns. And it was interesting to me as well that they're on Twitter. I mean, they're human beings, right? They're just like, you know, us in a sense of they're on Twitter. They're more invested than us because they've worked so hard to get to this point and they want to play. And I can't put myself in their shoes to even be checking Twitter. I don't know if I could do it. I might just log off and wait. You know what I mean? But Doug Kramer said that, he was on Twitter, and he didn't know who to believe. And Josh Whitman had told them as a team, don't believe everything you read or see or hear. And Josh Whitman has a say in this, right? I mean, he's he's in the room in terms of the television and scheduling and all of that. And so, I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm happy for those players that now they're going to get this opportunity. We can talk as well about what's the realistic number of opportunities they're going to get are we going to see all nine games I sitting here today Andy I can't look at you and say I think they're going to play all nine games I mean I I'd put that number at probably like seven or eight where I would feel good about maybe them getting to that point I did ask Doug Kramer about does he feel good like you know the first time around there was so much uncertainty in terms of a plan are we going to play they released the schedule then six days later everything is off the table and he said that he does feel good this time that the Big Ten in his eyes and in his mind has done enough here and the policies and protocols in place are going to stick, which look, if the players are saying that, then I, I think that's great. You know, that they have that momentum building towards that. They can get off the roller coaster, you know, mm -hmm. because I just try to put myself in, in that mindset of, are we playing today? Are we not? Am I going to have to wait till the spring trying to watch the other conferences? You know, I think that would be just brutal. Blake Hayes told us there that, you know, he, he didn't even watch college football because he, he couldn't. Like, he, you can't get yourself to turn on the TV and see other teams playing, you know, watching Clemson or Notre Dame play or whatever else, knowing that that should be you out there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can't imagine to be like us, you know, doing all the work to, you know, build up to a game day, doing the interviews, shooting the video, and then when we get to that point of, you know, airing it, we can't. It'd be, that'd be our comparison to it, but, you know, it's so I – mean, what did we expect out of 2020? We knew coming in this was not going to be a normal year, <laughs> and it's turned out to be exactly that. And, you know, going back to your point about, you know, how many games are they going to play, you're right, and, you know, we don't know what that's going to end up at. But this will probably be one of the – has to be the latest that Illinois has ever played at Memorial Stadium, I would say, in a year, depending on when their last home game is. And that's – Oh, they're cold, going to be playing probably. into December, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, and I, without looking at the record books, I'm not sure. But, yeah, that would be my guess that a December home game there would be the the latest Memorial Stadium's ever hosted an Illinois game. Remember they had the Bears in town? Oh, yeah. So there's been football there in December before. But 
uh, you know, never college-wise would, would be my guess. And so we'll have to look into that and, and check that out. But Making a little his- history if it's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, it's making history, no doubt, this oh, yeah. season. And I think Illinois has got a great chance to be really successful this year. There are players opting back in that have opted out. I think that's an interesting dynamic to this as well because I said all along that I thought Illinois had a pretty nice advantage here. If some of these players were going to opt out, if your Rondale Moores were not going to be playing, if your Rashad Batemans weren't going to be playing, two teams Illinois is going to see this year in Minnesota and Purdue, that, hey, that helps Illinois. You take playmakers off the field, and Illinois has certainly a much better chance of winning the game. I mean, that's just pretty easy to, to figure out in, in that sense. But I still like them. I, I still think they have the depth and experience, and some of these transfers getting immediate eligibility I think certainly helps. And Kamari Thompson and Brevin Jones, the offensive lineman, which, you know, is interesting to me that they're just the NCAA is essentially just saying, hey, you know, you get a waiver, everyone gets a waiver. It's like Oprah. You know, yeah. like the NCAA is just Oprah. You get a waiver. You get a waiver. You get a waiver. Everyone gets a car. That's great. The thing that hurts Illinois is that Blake Girasati has surgery because he thinks the season is over mm. until the spring, and now he can't play this fall. I feel for him, you know, the, the uh, uh, FCS transfer coming in to – FBS level would have started you know and now he's not going to get that opportunity but Lovey said now it's up to other people to step up and you know maybe we can see a Virtus Brown now or, or Jordan Slaughter or some of these other guys that they've invested multiple years in recruiting wise it's going to be time to step up and so we'll see how that plays out and Brevin Jones could be in that conversation as well uh, he's a transfer from the SEC all right well, we're still waiting on a schedule here and I was hoping it would be out by now in time to tape this podcast it's just after two o'clock on a friday it'd be fantastic if it dropped like right now so we could just react to it live well but. you and i both have twitter open and we're just <laughs> we keep refreshing to see anything but i don't know i don't know if we're gonna get to us. that point today uh but i don't know we, we've had some breaking news before on these podcasts so it's been kind of fun but uh we'll see i hope the schedule comes out they said by the end of the week i don't think we're, anyone was going to hold them to friday on that my guess would be Andy that they're still go- so they're still going to see the six. Uh, well, the, it would be yeah the six other teams in the Big Ten West. I don't think that's going to change at all. The other two crossover games then are what become really interesting because Illinois originally on the schedule had Rutgers and Indiana and Ohio State. They added Penn State when the the second iteration of the schedule came out which had a lot of people upset that Illinois was now playing Penn State, another one of the best teams in the conference in the East, as another crossover game. So they're going to have to take two of those games out. It would obviously be favorable for Illinois if they took out Ohio State and Penn State. Oh, yeah. If you play Indiana and Rutgers and take out the two top dogs there, I think Illinois' schedule sets up as perfectly as it could in that sense. Obviously, Indiana had a great year last Mm -hmm. year, uh, made a bowl game, was better than Illinois on, on the East side. But, but they're, they're not your Ohio State, your Penn State, or no, your Michigan's. No, absolutely not. Now, if you just get one of those, and you you know, let's say they just get Ohio State and drop Penn State, okay, I feel pretty good about that. If you get both of them, I mean, the Illinois fans are going to be pissed. I mean, yeah. that's now now you've got a lot of nation that is just spewing in a sense of okay, well, of course they did. You know what I mean? It's like, is Ohio State going to open up with Rutgers? Probably because you know it's like that's just the way it goes when you're the you know, when you're the big dog in the conference. So my biggest question, other than what other two crossover games do they get rid of, is do they put the West games first? My guess would be they do because you're going to want the conference 
divisional games ahead of your crossover games. That wasn't the case with the second portion of the schedule that it came out. Remember Ohio State was oh, yeah. the first game yeah, on we, September 5th. We're going on, like on Thursday version, night. Version 3 of the schedule. Is, yeah, this, this is the third, you know, different differing schedule for Illinois, which is also making history. I mean, that's mm-hmm. never happened before. These football schedules are put out five years in advance, you know. But which two games do they drop, and do they put West games first? I think those are the two things that I'm really interested to see here because if you got your West games first, and let's say you came out with, I don't know, Purdue and Northwestern and Nebraska the first three games... I think you're feeling really, really good about what that could be. Minnesota's going to be really good again this year, even if they don't have Bateman back. But if you get Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin the first three games, That's rough now all of a schedule. sudden you're kind of changing that mindset of what the schedule could be. And look, with a team like Illinois, I 100% buy into momentum. Mm-hmm. That they need that. You need to get out to a good start in the season, build that momentum, because you never know if you're going to be playing the next week. You know, if if one team tests positive, you may be fine. But let's say they're playing Nebraska, and Nebraska has a whole outbreak of cases. Illinois is fine. That's great. But Nebraska is not. You're still not playing the game, you know. And so I think winning a couple games early, and especially in a year like this, is super important. And that schedule could certainly hurt or uh, help Illinois in that eyes. Yeah, and it makes complete sense to do it, you know, the way that you're talking about is keep things divisional in the beginning as they kind of ease back into this uh, schedule and that's essentially what conferences were doing by eliminating non-conference games was let's keep you know everything it's kind of like your own little bubble it's your conference bubble now the Big Ten it'd be smart I would say to break it down into the divisional bubble then and then you get to the final weeks of the season where okay we've made it this far we're feeling pretty good about how we've done Um, you know hopefully everything in the outside world has progress to a pretty good spot as well um i think that makes sense and you know you're you're right about who are they going to drop because usually we know at this point i mean it is middle of september we've at this in a normal season at this point we've probably done so many like look aheads and previews of how illinois would be doing oh sure we're into week three right now exactly i mean tomorrow illinois playing its third game of the year yeah and you know not having that this year feels kind of weird not to know who Illinois is going to be playing a month from now and I'm sure that's kind of weird for the players too like you gotta I mean I'm sure you see those countdown clocks in you know every right. locker room right oh, where yeah. you're counting down to the next game and they don't know who to you know get ready for and I'm sure that impacts the coaching as well because each team has its own identity that you need to prepare for and they can't do that right now as you're getting ready for the season just saw this, Andy. The SEC establishes football game cancellation and rescheduling policies, and I find this pretty interesting. I would expect something like this, maybe from the Big Ten, because if you don't have certain guys to play a game, it's not like you just can go get your fist-string offensive lineman. I mean, that's a competitive disadvantage there. And so it says, to play a football game, the SEC has established minimum thresholds of at least 53 scholarship players available to participate, which is the same number as the NFL. On game days, the NFL actually comes down from that mm-hmm. and does not even have 50 guys available. Uh, they're, they're there, but then they're not technically active for the game. So there's less than 50 for an NFL game per team. So 53 scholarship players available to participate. And a minimum of seven offensive linemen, which includes one center, one quarterback, and four defensive linemen. 
So they're putting it by position, which I think is also interesting too. And especially those offensive and defensive linemen there where, you know, that you, you typically don't have because you're redshirting and whatever else, 12 safeties, you know, or 12 offensive linemen like you might a safety or some of these other positions, you know, that have more instant impact. You come into school and you can play right away as a receiver. You're not doing that as a lineman, you know. So I think that's very interesting that the SEC has come out and put some numbers on this to where they're dictating you're going to play or you're not. Yeah, and I think it makes complete sense. I mean, you mentioned the competitive disadvantage part, but it also makes safety sense. Like, think about some of these guys or some of these uh, people who don't see the field very often in a in a normal game that, you know, if they're not in game shape or something like that, they could, you know, be at risk of more injury. And I think it makes sense to um, not force those guys to put a team out there that may not necessarily be ready. And maybe you're throwing out like the third string quarterback and quarterbacks a bad spot because usually they should be, they could be able to jump into a game and be fine. But you, you mentioned the offensive and de- defensive linemen. You don't have that kind of depth. And uh, if you don't have five on- offensive linemen, where are you going to pull another right. one from? You can't just yeah. put like a wide receiver on the line to try and fill that role. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And I would imagine that the Big Ten. Uh, would adopt something similar in the next month or so before the season starts. I think we're going to see a lot of copycatting here where the SEC or ACC or Big 12, even the Pac-12, finding some momentum to try and get the season off the ground. And that's a lot different out on the West Coast because of the wildfires and everything else. Mm -hmm. State policies that are really hindering them in California and Oregon, especially where they can't even practice right now, let alone get ready for a game or put out a schedule or whatever else are going to say they're going to come back and play. It does say that they can elect to play with less than 53 scholarship players available if they want, or the game is just declared a no contest. And I think that's what we're going to see in the big 10 is there's going to be one team that's ready. Another team that not, it's not going to be a forfeit. It's just going to be a no contest. The game's just essentially not going to happen. You mentioned with Wisconsin right now that they would probably be in that boat. At oh, the if they were playing, they were playing yeah, right they now. couldn't play right now. Yeah. yeah. The numbers are, I think it's like 14% or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, they have to be less than five. So you know, it, we're going to see. It's going to be very week to week here. It's going to be flexible. It's going to have to be if they're going to try and get this thing going here and, and moving in the right direction. And we'll see. I hope we can get a schedule out. Uh, probably come out like, you know, tomorrow or something. But maybe we'll <laughs> have a, at least a 24 hour window yeah. here where we can be excited. And that's where I thought, and maybe they'll get it out this afternoon, but I thought they would take advantage of a Friday and, and gain some momentum for the weekend and try and get this schedule out. So. We'll see if it comes out this afternoon. It'll probably come out like 30 minutes after we release this. That'd yeah, be, right. That'd be my normal <laughs> guess for this. All right, let's talk some high school football here real quick as we continue on the 3-1 podcast. And Governor Pritzker spent more than 15 minutes on Thursday talking about high school sports and high school football, specifically when pressed on it. Wednesday, he spoke for probably five to eight minutes, something like that. That's a lot of time in a press conference for a governor to be talking about high school sports in the middle of a pandemic, but he's getting pressed on it. And there's going to be a rally tomorrow in Springfield and in Chicago, and you're going to be in Springfield mm-hmm. for that, the Let Us Play hashtag movement that there's been a ton of momentum and interest growing towards that as so many states around the United States are playing high school football right now, including all the bordering states to Illinois. And yet J.B. Pritzker says, his, in his words, there is no safe threshold or number to play in high school or youth sports for COVID-19, which tells me that until there's a vaccine, no high school football is being played. Yeah, and that may be disappointing to hear for some people, you know, as we've seen, like you mentioned, in the other states around Illinois, and, you know, I even got to go see in Indiana, you know, how a 
season during COVID is working out. Um, and uh, that doesn't necessarily mean, I don't think, no season, you know, this school year at all. I think the plan is still um, to play in uh, yeah. the spring. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting to hear both sides of this as someone who's kind of on the outside because, you know, there's people that want to play, but, you know, I don't know if they'd be able to play right now, you know, if uh, Governor Pritzker decided to reverse that decision and, and things like that just because there hasn't been, um, you know, too much practice. And it would be, in my mind, it would be hard to get that season started. So um, it's really interesting to to hear so many people make it such a big topic, I guess, during everything that's going on. Because you mentioned it, very odd for a governor in the middle of a pandemic to spend so much time talking about high school football. But when you see it, and we talked about this with the Big Ten, when you see it uh, around you and other people doing it, it just makes you want to do it here that much more. You wonder what's different um, besides just the state line between here and there. And that's what he was asked about. Let's hear just a couple of minutes from Governor Pritzker here on why he is not allowing high school football and athletics right now, any contact youth sport in the state of Illinois. Well, let me start by saying, frankly, that uh, I wish we didn't have this pandemic keeping us back from, frankly, from our small businesses uh, being highly successful as they have been in the state, uh, holding people back from getting their jobs back if they'd been laid off. Um, the pandemic has had an enormous impact on everybody, not to mention the health and safety of people. Um, but the idea, as you know, of, of focusing on sports, not my idea, it's doctors and researchers have found that uh, these sports, particularly high school sports uh, and college sports, uh, without the proper uh, mitigations without the proper prevention, et cetera, that those sports are dangerous. And just evidence of that has popped up more recently in our state, uh, down in Wayne County. I think you may know that the baseball team at the community college at Frontier, uh, unfortunately, there was an outbreak. It spread. It spread significantly. Most of the team now is tested positive. Uh, there are uh, many, many dozens of people who are now quarantined as a result of their, uh, you know, their having tested positive, they're having been an outbreak. This is not an unusual thing. You've seen it before in our state, too. Look, I'm not willing to sacrifice people's lives or their health, uh, neither the children nor their parents who would be affected also. And so we're being, we're being careful about it, but I am relying upon doctors and researchers to give us the information. This isn't a political decision. I know that there are people who would like me simply to make a political decision to allow people to endanger themselves. We're the only state in the Midwest not playing football. We are, we, we are, Amy, well, can I, well, can I, I want to respond to your, to your comment. Let me, but Amy, it's not a, I understand it's, Amy, I got your question. I'm just pointing out to you. We have the lowest, we have the lowest positivity rate in the Midwest still too high. Look at the states that you're talking about. They all have very high positivity rates, double-digit positivity rates in most. And those are states, fine, if they've decided to endanger children and families in those states by allowing certain contact sports to take place, that's their decision. That's not something that's good for the families, the children of Illinois. 
or you can disagree with it, whatever. It doesn't really matter to me. It's a political decision, even if he says it's not. And to me, that's what it all comes down to, is that he is making decisions for Illinoisans in this state about kids. And whether you agree with that or not, it is what it is. But in my eyes, it's all political, because if someone is telling you in a political standpoint, the highest elected official in the state is telling you what you can and can't do about your children, then to me, that's political, because you're a political leader. So I, I know a ton of people have opinions on this. Believe me, our Facebook and Twitter comments were going crazy and, <laughs> you know, wild about everyone voicing their opinion. And the part that makes it so tough is that every state around Illinois is playing and Illinois is not. And if you take Chicago out of the equation, which even in St. Louis, they're not playing right now. So the rest of Missouri is still playing. So if you take Chicago out of the equation, you can't tell me there's any difference between Iowa and Wisconsin and Indiana and Kentucky and all of these bordering states and Missouri uh, that are playing football right now. And the governor wants to say that it's all about science and that the numbers are that much different. And we can agree or disagree about what's important in those numbers. And is it just positivity rates? In my eyes, it's more about the hospitalizations and deaths and people that are needing ventilators and all of those kinds of things, because that's the reason we did, we flattened the curve to begin with, right? Was mm -hmm to make sure our healthcare system wasn't overwhelmed. And by and large, it hasn't been in the past couple of months. And so uh, I, I get it. I, I understand it from both sides. I, I can see from the governor's side that he wants to protect people and be safe. I can also see why there's other people that are saying, that's not your right as the governor, or that's not your job to tell me what I can and can't do. I get that too. We live in a free society in America and a free country. And so... Uh, I don't have all the answers, but I, I hope that we can get high school football back sooner rather than later for those kids to get that opportunity. And I've talked to several coaches this week, Andy, who have just said, look, why, I don't understand why we're trying to do it right now anyway. Because like you mentioned, it's it's mm -hmm. getting late here. I mean, there's certain points where you, you just you're not going to be able to play anymore. And so a couple of the coaches I talked to said three weeks they felt like they could get it off the ground. Well, that means you got to start in next week. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see that happening one bit. So why are we trying to push it towards the fall? Let's focus on the spring, continue with our plan for the spring, and try and get it off there with a state series. The caveat there is they want a state series. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to do that. And I completely agree with them for that. There is no reason in my mind that high school golf right now can't play a state series. It's outside. Why, why can't high school tennis play that? And You know, people will say, well, they got to stay in hotels or whatever else. Okay, well, it, that is what that is in that sense. You know, if you're willing to do that, I think that you should have that opportunity to do that. If you don't want to do that, then don't. I mean, it's, it's pretty as simple as that in my eyes. But if you're outside, if you're socially distanced, even swimming in that sense where, you know, you're in a pool and there's chlorine and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff to kill all those germs. I mean, uh, I, I'm having a hard time. And, and cross country, I don't think th those are the four sports that are going on right now. I mean... Why can't you stagger the start? It doesn't matter. You get a group in in the morning. You get a group in in the afternoon. You get a group in towards the rest of the day. Yeah, maybe the conditions are a little bit different, but you know what? You can pair up your elite runners, quote-unquote, that are super elite, that have a chance to win a state title, get them all on in the same group, go to the next tier of runners, so to speak, and then finish up in the uh, later part of the day you know, with that third tier and still get that opportunity to run at state. So uh, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I'm glad I'm not making those decisions. But, you know, there's things that just make sense in my eyes, too. And a lot of those things aren't happening right now.
you and me both uh, happy that we're not making those decisions. <laughs> yeah, and, right. And, you know, my brother is senior in high school, and he is, uh, you know, practicing right now. But, you know, he's wondering if waking up at 530 uh, all the times this fall is going to be worth it when we get back to school. And I don't blame him one bit. Yeah. And I think it will be worth it. I think that well, – I guess I shouldn't say I think. I hope as a society we'll get to the spot where things will be okay as we get into February that – um, things can really ramp up. But like we've mentioned already, it seems late in the fall to be hoping yeah. that that we can start now. And you know, hopefully we can learn some things from the states around us, and that can help us um, be able to run a successful high school football season and high school sports season when that comes around. Um, but I'm just happy that I am not making any of those decisions, and I will be happily on the sidelines hoping for the best for everyone involved. All right, we'll see. Another week. Another a lot week changes down. in a week. It does, man, and the future looks a lot brighter for Big Ten football, and I hope we can get to that point here where on October 23rd and 24th that we are playing games and we are ready to roll, whatever that might look like. Uh, we'll be here to cover it all along, and we are looking forward to getting something of relevance back in local television and Illini Nation, and we're excited about that. So, All right, for Andy, I'm Brett. We'll do it again next week on the 3-in-1 podcast.